0: The global pandemic has left millions of couples unsure of when and how they can get married. Hi, I'm Julie Sabatino, the owner of The Stylish Bride. And for the last 17 years, I've been working with clients on all of the fashion elements of their weddings. I know firsthand that as a bride today, you're faced with many hard decisions and lots of complicated feelings, but you also really want to enjoy this special time in your life. We're going to talk about all of it. Through interviews with industry icons, real brides, and some boots on the ground knowledge, I'm here to help you navigate the tricky waters of getting married in the time of COVID and hopefully have some fun along the way. Welcome to season two of the podcast. I am so glad you're here. So if you want to try it for yourself, and I recommend that you do, you can find it on their website, SupaSkinCare.com. And as a special bonus for our listeners, enter the discount code TSB20 at checkout for 20% off. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am really, really excited to be here because I think that this is going to be an awesome episode because I have two fabulous guests with me. The first one is Alison Hotchkiss of Allison Events, whom I've known for many, many years, and we've worked together for quite a long time. Her amazing client, McKenna Comelli, who I also had the honor of working with. And today we're going to be talking about weddings in the time of COVID and what... They recently experienced replanning McKenna's wedding that was supposed to be uh, this past August. And it was in August, but in a very, very different format. And so I'm excited to talk about it. Thank you guys so much for being here.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah.
0: So let's start by kind of laying the foundation and telling people about the original plan. What was the original wedding going to be?
2: So we had initially planned a 200-person wedding to take place um, in my parents' backyard in Northern California. I mean, Allison, you can back me up on this. We were basically across the finish line with the wedding plans. We had been doing it for about five or six months and we had everything ready to go and, and planned to a T.
0: So then what happened? So COVID hits, you know, your are mid-March and... You guys are talking back and forth and are like, uh, yeah, August isn't going to go forward the way we thought. Is that about right?
2: Yeah, yeah. that's about right. We, we had taken the approach of not worrying constantly throughout the, the planning that something might happen that we might have to postpone because we were taking the approach of if we do need to postpone, that means there's larger things going on in the world than our, our wedding, right? So we can adjust accordingly. So we said, we'll deal with that. When we get there, if we get there, sure enough, we got there and needed to postpone. So it was pretty easy conversation in the sense that it was a no brainer. We didn't want to put like the people that we love. Granted, it was a large group of 200 people. We didn't want to put anyone in that group at risk. We didn't want to put any of Allison's team at risk, any other people we were working with for the wedding. And and so in terms of safety and, and peace of mind, it was, it was a pretty straightforward decision for us.
0: When did you
1: ultimately
2: call it? Do you remember? I feel like Jackie
1: and I were having some sneaky side conversations. <laughs> <with> Jeff, <laughs> For sure. Jackie's <laughs> her mom. <laughs> like, Ooh, what if we pivot and do it in Hawaii? So we like started to like explore what that could look like. They recently built a home in McKenna Beach in Hawaii on Maui. So we were kind of doing a little bit of research to see what the reality of that would be, how we would get people there, the testing. And then I believe Jackie came to you, presented it to you guys, which is where Brandon proposed. So it had definite meaning to it. But but at that point, we were like, how can we realistically get people to Hawaii and how
2: many people? And it really kind of came down to how many people we could fit on the plane, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I Ever since I was a little girl, I actually wanted to get married in Hawaii. When we decided to do the wedding in California, initially it was... We picked that for a various set of reasons, but Brandon even kept asking me, like, are you sure you don't want to do a small destination wedding? And I was, I am sure I want to do this big wedding in California. It's the vision that we have when whatever, when we had made the plans for Hawaii, it was exciting because that, it was going to be that thing that I had dreamed of as a little girl. It was a significant place for my family and where Brandon proposed, but we also got that wedding planned. <laughs> like fully done until as soon as the logistics got to the point where we wouldn't be able to leave the property and tents and air conditioning and showers started coming into question. That's when Allison was again like, all right, let's let's talk.
0: Oh, my gosh. So they were going to require quarantine and you would have had to basically all be quarantining together and bring in like everything anyone would
2: need. We were
1: going to do luxury camp glamping in the backyard Mm -hmm. for all the guests. And then I said to Jackie, I said, do you really want all those people in your space for 14 days sharing Uh, what, three bathrooms for uh, 20 people? So the quarantine piece really kind of put the kibosh on things. So then we, then we had to think, okay, we went back to the drawing board I had just recently, and I don't even know if you know this, McKenna, but I was talking to Jackie about Amangiri and I was just saying about how amazing of a property and I wanted her to go. This is a property in Utah. uh, That's one of the Amon properties. And so Jackie came back and was like, maybe we should do it at the Amon. <laughs> so, so we started to explore that idea. And luckily, they had a small enough guest count that we were able to use their event spaces there, you know, they have the opportunity to be really big at Amangiri, but they had already had some existing reservations. So we had to figure out how we could still have the weekend be intimate and private, knowing that it wasn't a full buyout. So we really kind of nailed it when we got to that as an option. And then basically you and, and Brandon and your parents flew out, spent a
2: weekend there, came back and we're like, yes. And I think we actually ended up saying yes before ever having <laughs> <It's>, gone there. Because <laughs> we were just, we were trusting you so much, Allison, that uh, mm-hmm. between how highly you spoke of, of Almond Gear and we stayed at other Almond resorts, but then, also, the, the peace of mind and the certainty that it brought with it, because we were thinking maybe we could do something small in California again. But once you kind of get to V three of your wedding plans, you kind of want to be able to hold on to something and to get excited about it. And we were probably like two or three months out. From the wedding at this. Time. Oh, no, 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 no. We were like four weeks out. <laughs> okay. We were four weeks out. <laughs> I'm romanticizing. <laughs> yeah. So I
1: remember it was the end of July and. Yeah, and we like quickly did a flip and we got all of our vendors from California. Some of them drove, some of them flew out. But I think the place about Amangiri, which is interesting because it we essentially came full circle, is that it really had this level of spirituality that I think you were ultimately looking for from the beginning and intimacy and kind of, I don't know, it just was such a magical place. And it it, it was such a clean space with vast views and really ticked all the boxes it seems like when it came full circle back to that it 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 just all flew so easily every piece just made sense from there the decisions I guess you could say
2: and what was so great about Almond Curry too that was like a surprise on top of everything else is that everyone there like at the property felt like an extension of our team right because they were so warm and they were so welcoming that we had that really kind of intimate experience with everyone there. And especially because we haven't been interacting with many people outside of our little pods right now with all the shelter in place. So people are so excited and so warm to each other. And that whole added element of this interpersonal interaction that's so positive was a really fun addition on top of everything else for the group.
0: That's amazing. I mean, what a testament to a a resort. I think that that's pretty much the what every hotel and resort and travel experience um, longs for to hear a statement like that. It's pretty powerful. Did you feel like you were sacrificing anything by switching the plan again or from the original plan? How, how did you feel about it?
2: That's a very interesting question that I've actually been asked quite a few times um, throughout this process. I think we were very intentional about how we framed it. And I actually remember the first conversation that I had with Alison about this is that, I don't want to try to replicate anything about the various wedding plans that we've had to be the next one, which I'm sure Allison was like, Oh my God, McKenna. But I think it's important to keep them distinctly different because then you're not trying to recreate something that you couldn't attain before. Every experience you've created is uniquely its own. So we didn't try to take this 200 person wedding planned in the backyard in California and transplant it into a 20 person wedding in the middle of a beautiful desert because there would be kind of a disconnect, at least in in expectations and, and also just doesn't play up to everything you could possibly do with the environment.
0: That's a fantastic point. Alison was that how you were approaching it as well or were you sort of like, well, you know, for the California wedding you kind of wanted this aesthetic, let's bring it in here, or was it a total blank slate and you had to recreate everything again in your mind?
1: I feel like by the time we got to round three, I like really understood the things that were important to McKenna and Brendan and the family. And just, I felt like I understood that like low, you know, that bottom line need of is from an aesthetic standpoint. And I also understood kind of what they wanted to accomplish throughout the weekend. And maybe it was because I also had a 17 person wedding. So I understood the intimacy and the ability to connect with people on that really like intimate level. I do feel that, you know, sometimes people get lost in the big weddings where you you're trying to run around and talk to people. It's just like entertaining at your house. Like how can you really kind of be in that moment? So I think that for me having gone through that myself and having planned other kind of smaller intimate weddings like that, I knew that we could have the connection unfold over several days through different experiences. And at the end of the day, everything was really beautiful and really well thought out. But it wasn't like crazy over the top by any means, but it was all very purposeful and it was all very still thoughtful and For our team, since we obviously weren't planning, you know, in a normal year, we'd be planning so many other weddings and maybe like in in full transparency, you know, you're planning five other weddings, you know, you're kind of multitasking a million things. We were like planning this wedding. So she had three people's full attention and it was really enjoyable. and, And it really does reflect kind of the fact that we do like to take a small level of projects because we were getting down to the minutiae of the cocktail napkins and like what fun quotes we could use. I mean, we, we were like really taking it to next level um, in terms of the details with, again, without it being over the top and garish, it was like just so sentimental and so well thought out. And it was about the family. Like this family had been apart, right? You hadn't seen your grandma since COVID had happened. Is that right? Yeah, basically from the beginning of the year, we usually see her like every two months or something like that. So the family flew in from Canada and then Brandon's family, you guys also hadn't seen who came up from Southern California. So it's like kind of an intense weekend because they were like, went through this kind of emotional roller coaster with the pandemic. And then here they all are together in this space where they could like be free. Like it was such a relief to take the mask off and just be together. Because we all got tested. I don't know if we talked about this, Julie, but. No, I was gonna ask you. Yeah. So everyone was tested within 48 hours of flying. So all the vendors, all the guests, everyone. So we like arrived on property and obviously still being mindful, wearing masks within like walking around in the indoor spaces. But we really could both vendors and the client Mm -hmm. and the guests could all just be free and carry on together as we would normally. That was just that felt so
0: nice. (laughs) Oh, my God. That sounds like like heaven, actually. And it's so being able to get close physically to somebody and not be nervous if you're giving a hug or, you know, just be able to be in someone else's orbit is has become so foreign um, so fast. And that must have been incredible. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: And we found great ways to still make it feel like a bridal experience, too. So even though it was it was nothing extremely over the top i think the quality of everything that we did was amazing because so it was still even though it's a group of 20 people i still got to do my i have have my hair and makeup done every day and then there were outfits planned and then we everything was done to such a great caliber where it still felt like such a celebratory experience which still made me feel like a bride which was was great and. I'm very appreciative of you guys helping me pull off. So thank you. (laughs) Gosh, of course.
0: Now, tell me, was there anything that it didn't go as planned? Like, were you, were there challenges that arose that you hadn't expected or thought out or?
2: I mean, I don't
1: want to toot my own horn, but I think it went off pretty <sighs>
0: That's good. That's I good. I agree.
1: There's always little, little minutiae things that are going on back the house, misunderstandings, but like nothing, nothing big at all. It, it really went really well. But I also think it was because we didn't have a huge crew. Everyone, all the vendors, at least on the vendor side, I felt like they were all coming from also a, place of like people had little babies and people had elderly family they were living with. So we were all really sensitive to each other's comfort level and it just felt like a really amazing bonding experience. I I feel like everyone was really there and there a hundred percent. Like I feel like Norman and Blake like blew my mind. I mean they took those are that's this is the most beautiful wedding I've ever done in twenty years not just because the images are beautiful and because we had beautiful content, but because there was just so much love. There was so much love and everyone was there, like 150% there. So it wasn't like you were like multitasking because you were dealing with putting a fire out for the following wedding in two weeks in some other country. You, We were just there and all your guests were there. It really was a very deep experience. I felt like a a very unique, deep experience.
2: Absolutely agree. And I think that, That presence and that love was palpable for anyone and everyone in the group. And it's also shown up in the pictures, too, because like you said, there is this intangible thing that comes across in, in the images that we felt there, too. And I think that's the love and the presence that everyone
0: brought. It's incredible. And do you want to just say who Norman and Blake are so that people listening know? Oh,
1: photographers! Okay, okay. Yeah. all right. Yeah, Norman and Blake shot the wedding, and Max Catrone did video. Which I've had a little sneak peek at the the video because I think you know Julia officiated the wedding as yes. well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did that come about? Well, uh, you're a jack of all trades, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we
2: um, had asked one of our really close friends to officiate the the first version of the wedding, and then. As we kind of got slimmer and slimmer on our guest count, Brandon and I had this moment where we looked at each other and we were like, wait, we love Allison. We think Allison loves us. <sighs> Allison's ordained. She's going to be there. <laughs> so we we wrote like a little, a little note to Allison and asked if she would marry us and oh
0: my God. said yes. So you had been ordained before this. Was it for another client's wedding or what? No. So, well, well ironically, my very best friend was supposed
1: to get married in May. And she also had her wedding postponed. But they too were really wanting to celebrate intimately. So I had officiated her. So her friend was supposed to officiate the wedding. And he ended up having baby a baby and just there was too many logistics around it was very early on in COVID and didn't feel comfortable officiating. So I then collaborated with him, he kind of like wrote the first layer. And then I kind of edited the ceremony. And then I officiated her wedding. And I was like, wait, this is so meaningful and so fun. And having been on the other side, you know, for 20 years, listening to all these ceremonies, I can't say I've listened to all of them. But the ones that I did like tune in and really listen to, I always felt like the ones that were had a little bit of humor about the couple and the ones that were like a little story about the two of them. I mean, I guess back in the day ceremonies were very much more religious and over the last like five to 10 years, as people have started friends, have officiated weddings, you've gotten a little bit more intimacy. So I just had so much fun writing her ceremony. And then it was like, I don't know, a couple of weeks later and McKenna and Brandon asked me, and of course I love her and I love her family. I love Brandon. I I had such an amazing time. And I actually had Jackie read her mom, read part of it and help me do a little bit of editing because I wanted it. Her mom has like such a profound way of communicating things. She just has all these like, Jackieism words
2: right <laughs> so true <laughs> like, like I need some of that
1: language so it was really sweet she had helped me edit a little bit of the content so that was really fun so it just, and then for me too you know I was like the face up there communicating the words but it was very much McKenna's story and Brandon's story with a little bit of Jackie in there and then a little bit of of me in there like how I kind of saw it so I had such a blast doing it it was so fun I felt so comfortable up there. I just felt like I was part of the family
2: and it felt really, really great. And having you up there gave me a, a very strong sense of comfort, too, because I was kind of worried that I would have jitters up there or, or who knows what. But something about having you up there with us because you knew everything that was going on in terms of the plan, in terms of where we're supposed to be standing and just just how we were supposed to be in that space as a group and something about having you next to me I felt so settled and whenever I felt unsettled I would just look at you and then I felt grounded and and then I was fine oh my gosh it was really
1: funny at one point the very beginning of the ceremony because I just watched the video there was like a jackrabbit bunny do you remember that in the beginning that went like running by and I've never seen a jackrabbit (laughs) bunny and I'm like speaking and then all of a sudden I'm like Because you don't often see things like, I feel like when animals appear during a ceremony, they represent something like in my own ceremony, my ex husband's mother had passed away. And like this bird came like flying really super low right before we were about to exchange our vows. And it was kind of this like, whoa, like something, something just powerful just happened. And I've also done weddings before where like the rain stopped. We did this wedding in Japan, rain stopped right before the ceremony. And then it started when the ceremony ended. Like weird things like that with animals and weather. And so that jackrabbit, something happened and I don't know, but I felt like it was a sign that everyone was alive and listening. And it was such a special moment, but.
0: That's amazing. Now your rabbit can be your symbol somewhere. You can send (laughs) her a little rabbit for her anniversary.
2: I got to figure out what the rabbit symbolized, who it yeah, was. who it was We'll figure that out later,
0: Allison. <laughs> Yeah, right? You know, I mean, a lot of people do believe in that stuff, though. And they're not, I think that sometimes they're just, can't be such coincidence. So I, I, right. believe, I believe in that, too. And what a testament. I mean, I think that hearing you guys talk and, and you know, the relationship that you've had, this is the very best example of the planner client relationship and really understanding each other, loving each other and getting a job done where you mutually respect each other. And it's really, it's incredible and it's unique and it's wonderful. I think that it's a huge testament to both of you.
1: I think it's like the trust piece from the planner's side for me is that trust is so important. So when you feel that trust from the client and the client says, you've done, been doing this, you get it. I feel like you just are so much more able to be transparent about things. Like, I I don't I can't necessarily say there was moments that I was like, don't do this or do this or whatever. But I always felt free to just say how I felt, you know, without feeling judged or feeling like I was going to push her the wrong way. Like my approach is always just to be just honest. And I like to take some humor infused in things. And I feel like we were on the
2: same page. It felt like I'm so and I feel like we also have a relationship of mutual respect where you weren't going to look at me and say that I was being a bride or being crazy. And then I respect the work you do and, and everything that the team was doing. And with that, also me realizing I'm not the expert here because anyone who knows me can say that I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> but in this instance saying, okay, Alison and her team know what they're doing. They know best. This is an instance where... I don't actually want to be in control of everything. And that was such a gift to be able to confidently say, I'm not in control of all this. I don't want to be. And I trust you all completely. I mean, it's kind of the same way I feel like with you, Julie. And now granted that
1: you you and I haven't gone dress shopping together, but we've had conversations about, it's almost like having like the the third party piece of, that's not emotional, right? Like you could look at my body or McKenna's body and you're like, this is what I think is going to be most flattering. And you McKenna might go, oh my gosh, I love this dress. It's amazing. And Julie's like, well, that is a really beautiful looking dress, but that's not going to accentuate this part of your body or it's going to bring attention to this part of your body that maybe you don't feel as confident about. And I feel like you you go through that too, don't you, Julie?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I loved working with McKenna and her mom because there was that trust factor also, which is so important, just like you said. I think that the way that I've always approached my business is similar in, in the truth aspect of it. But I also realize that I'm not ultimately wearing the dress. It's my job to guide you through the process and use all of the industry knowledge and tangible advice to get you where you need to be. And it works best when you have a client like McKenna that will listen to you and say, okay, well, let's try this and let's go there. And what do you think? And it's the best case scenario.
2: Something else that I felt that I loved about working with you is I was able to be vulnerable in the process. People dream about going wedding shopping and all these beautiful places. And we got the benefit of parading around New York together with my parents to do that. But even then, I mean, I'm not I'm not a sample size zero and everyone has little insecurities about themselves. And I felt very safe and comfortable being honest and upfront about you with those and not feeling there was any shame. And like if I said, I was self-conscious about a certain part of my body that you would never have me try on a dress that. That would accentuate that. But I was comfortable in my skin and my emotions, which was
0: a huge gift. Thank you. That's the best compliment that you could ever give me. Thank you.
1: I have to say, though, I also love that your dad dress shopping with you. Like oh when J- Julie and I talked about that, cause I hadn't met Brett yet. And I just thought that is so sweet, you know, like really ultimately there for you on every level. I mean, you really see parents who are just like, here's the money, go do your thing. And he was like very much invested in that process. And I, I think that is like one of the sweetest things. And now that I have met your dad, I mean, I get it. He's amazing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was so fun having the four of us going around shopping. It was interesting because at first, some of the salons that we went to were thrown off by the fact that my dad was there. And they're like, well, we actually don't allow any men oh. in, the, in the back. And I was very clear. I was like, we're not going to shop here if my dad can't come look at the dresses I try on. And that very quickly changed things. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was very opinionated. And it was fun having him in the experience with his, with his little girl.
0: It was so fun, Uh, you know, because when McKenna was getting into the dresses, in some scenarios, I would be sitting outside waiting. If the room was small or whatever, I'd be waiting with her parents and we would be talking and really having the best time. But her dad like picked up on all the lingo and he's obviously a smart man, but he like got into it and he's like, oh, you know, and he would give like really detailed, thoughtful opinions and... It was just the best because you know that he really didn't have any of that like terminology beforehand, but he picked up on it and used it and kept up with everything. It was great. I love it. So cute. It was awesome. I think also having your parents have, you can tell that they have a really connect, like close connection and a great bond and how much they love you. And I think that all of that made the day go so smoothly. And I have, I've, seen a lot of family relationships not wedding dress shopping can really bring out a lot of the challenges amongst in relationships and I think wedding planning in general can do that especially when you're trying on a dress and your mom has one idea and the daughter has another and then dad's paying and it can get really really complicated but there was none of that tension with you they really wanted you to have the very best thing for you and it was great it was so much fun
2: They wanted me to have the best like outcome and and dress and and shoes, accessories, etc. But they also wanted me to have the best experience actually looking for that that dress, too. I I remember there was at one point we were standing in the dressing room, Bergdorf Goodman, and I got a, a work email that kind of made me panic for a second. And I turn around and my mom has her glass of champagne, my glass of champagne, and Julie's glass of champagne. And she's like, finish them all, please.
0: (laughs) Everyone drink right now.
2: (laughs) Exactly. She's like, you're getting stressed. You're not working. You don't need to focus on that. So rip through these few, and then we'll get to those skin-tight dresses.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We did have a very good time. Um, I just want to shift for a second and ask you about what your plans are for the future. Are you guys going to go forward? Oh, well, actually, we didn't even talk about how we found you a totally different dress. So we're talking about how we found you the first wedding dress. But I want to know, are we going to get to see the original wedding dress on you someday?
2: Yes, we are. Actually. Yeah. So we had found that dress that we loved that we, we had ordered with the veil from Monica Visa. But that dress wasn't going to work in the really hot climates. Um, so we actually, my, wedding dress I ended up wearing we initially picked out for Hawaii and said okay we need something flowy where I can tolerate the heat and humidity which was not a problem in in Utah (laughs) so so we we ended up finding that a great like Monique Lele dress and veil actually the shopping process was was very enjoyable because we were worried that oh we can't go actually try dresses on how are we going to find something but I mean, Van Nicolier and, and Netta Porte and other companies were, were great to work with because they recognize, I mean, it's hard times for them too and for their clients. So they were really like flexible about just sending boxes and boxes of things to try on um, until we found something that, that worked. So the original dress, yes, I'll actually be wearing it at what's going to be either our first anniversary party, our vow renewal. We're not sure how we're going to brand it yet, but, um, the, the gathering with the original guests that we're doing on the a year from our from our wedding date I'm gonna wear it then tbd if I'm gonna wear a veil or not but I'll wear the original dress
0: yeah well and you know what's funny actually is you had tried on that dress that you ended up getting for the Hawaii slash Utah ceremony I think you tried it on originally when we were shopping or really it you know you know what it was now it was that we loved it for your mom. Do you remember? And we were talking about it for your mother and it had a floral pattern originally and then it came Mm -hmm. in in the wedding version. And when we were talking about Hawaii, it was lucky that they had had it in white and we were able to have them send it over.
2: Yeah, and it was actually a mistake that the dress was sent to her in white. It was supposed to be in blue. Right. But I was home and I said actually, you know, it was my dad who suggested that I get a different dress (laughs) (laughs) because he was like, you're going to be really hot in that heavy silk. Yeah, I'm like, dad, first of all, I love that you're thinking of this. It just happened that that was the one dress that was in white in that box. That's exactly right.
0: And you know what it was? They didn't have the blue floral sample that we were sending to your mom originally. And then, but we had the white sample and I was like, okay, well, let's just send it. Jackie can use her imagination to try on the blue and see how it goes. And and then you were there and all of a sudden you're in the dress and FaceTiming me. And I'm like, whoa, when did this happen? All right, it's perfect. But I mean, it makes sense. You guys have very similar like shapes and styles and you're both gorgeous. So it, it worked, but it, it was it was good luck, I think. Yes, very good luck. So you're not going to call it next year when you ultimately have your wedding that you had planned, You were, or I shouldn't say wedding. You're not going to call it a wedding because it wasn't. This was your wedding. Is that how you look at it? That's
2: how, that's one of the ways we're looking at it, to be honest, we haven't really decided yet. And I think the beauty of this, of this time and being, I guess, I guess a COVID bride, they call it or a COVID couple, but (laughs) is that there are no rules, and you can do really whatever you want to do. And there's, there's maybe yes, a constraint in terms of the larger the larger picture of, of the state of the world right now. But there's a lot of freedom, I think, in terms of being a bride or being being partners and being a couple, where if we want to call it our second wedding, we can. If we just want it to be a really fun anniversary party where everyone stands at the dinner table and reads their speeches they had prepared, or like maybe Allison reads like the, the ceremony that she put together, then maybe that's something we'll do. But we, we want to have fun with it next year.
0: I think that that's awesome. You know, I'm hearing this from a lot of people that these small intimate weddings have really brought back the original, I think, concept, the original idea, the original feeling of a wedding when you're not doing all of this extra stuff. You get to have that intimate. It's about the love. It's about the marriage. And it comes back when you reduce the size That's something that I think that's really an unexpected silver lining to all of this in a lot of ways. But what's interesting about it is, as I've been talking to people, and we were chatting about this earlier, is that no one likes the term micro wedding. And I wanted to talk to you about it with everybody listening, because I think that it's a really, really fantastic point. So tell me what you think about this. And Allison, I want to get your opinion on it, too.
2: So, Alison, I don't want to bias you next, but I personally don't love the term micro wedding. I think it implies that the wedding that you create isn't what it could have been. As a put, it, it doesn't imply the, the freedom of choice that you still have with, with planning your wedding. So my wedding was a tiny wedding with just my family, but I still chose that. I wasn't. A victim, and I had to have a micro wedding. Right. Uh, so that—that's my two cents on it. But Allison, I'm excited to hear what do you think? think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who came up with micro.
1: I feel like I've been referring it to more as an intimate wedding. Wedding. It just feels like that's what it is. Micro. I don't. Know, that word's no good. I think intimate Great. wedding. What it
0: is. Yeah, or just a Mom, wedding. Like when my parents got married, they had 30 people at a lunch after going to church. You know, it was not a big thing. And then you moved on. That's how weddings normally were. And of course, we all have jobs and businesses based on these very large weddings, but there's something so wonderful about... Did you find that it changed your perspective in any way on traditions or were you more apt to do things that you weren't necessarily sure that you were going to do Did it change anything? Our threshold
2: for inviting the original list of 200 people was that we can't invite anyone. We feel like we can't be ourselves around we don't want to feel like we need to censor my maid of honor speech because (laughs) this person is there. So that was the original threshold because we, if someone is close enough to us where we wanted them to be included in that original experience, they should be close enough to forgive any mishaps or not ideal stories that come up in speeches. (laughs) So, so with that, I think we, we were very intentional about creating and maintaining that kind of freedom and flexibility and comfort originally. And it was only maximized in the the intimate wedding that we had. So I definitely worried a lot less because I am certainly a people pleaser, as I think you both already know, <laughs> where I, I actually asked Allison and team and told my family, I said, I need your help to help me focus on myself and the experience and make sure that I'm not focusing on how everyone else is doing. So I definitely worried less about, about everyone else and what they were thinking, what they were doing, if they were having a good time, et cetera, because I confidently say they're my family. They are having all of those things. And if they're not, it's their responsibility to figure it out.
0: Yeah. That's how we should all lead our lives anyway. But yes, very true. But that's an amazing thing. It's it's a gift in a wedding really. You're not running around worrying about the 200 people, even though they've made the cut and passed the test of being yourself. Still a lot of people. So tell me about what you actually planned. Tell me about what the event, this several day event actually, actually was.
2: So what we had planned was the, all we, it was a quick trip. So our families, part of the group flew in on a Thursday and then all I was told for that Thursday was to show up wearing white. I was like, okay, that is easy. I can do that. Yeah. Um, and then the the rest of our family flew in the next day and we had the rehearsal dinner on Friday down at Camp Sarika. It's these really cool, uh, camp that Amangiri had just set up that you, are looking out up against this like stunning rock. So that was the rehearsal dinner. And then we had planned the actual wedding to be on Saturday at the end of the day, kind of at that golden twilight hour. So it was stunning. But Allison, if you want to talk about Thursday, that was a complete surprise to me. What's Thursday? Yeah. So we had, obviously, Friday and
1: Saturday were done. And Jackie said to me, you know, I I feel like... There needs to be another night that just like is the beginning part of the weekend that kicks off. That's that's something that comes from me and from Brandon's mom. Like, I feel like it would be fun to do like a mom's night. She's like, and I'm not sure what that looks like. But when we were talking about all the different locations of Amangiri, we had talked about this beautiful rock coyote trail. So Coyote Trail is this area just behind the property. It's like a a walking trail that takes you up over these rocks. And you kind of look out and see all the property. You see almost down to Lake Powell, really. It's not like super high up. It's a little bit of a walk, like a 10-minute walk up the mountain. And she's like, could we do a dinner up there? So we explored what it would look like if we did a dinner up there and what the challenges would be in providing meals up there and, and basically what we came back to is we said we wanted to have some sort of special night with some sort of amazing music where everyone could just relax and some things could be shared. And so we basically, we did a happy hour, like a cocktail hour with some hors d'oeuvres. We brought up some lounges <laughs> that found fly out from or drive up from L.A. And they brought this beautiful kind of very, not boho, but modern kind of just really laid back lounge set up. We put a a bar on top of the mountain and we had like a full bar and some hors d'oeuvres. And then we went back and forth, back and forth and back and forth about music. Like, do we have a flutist? Are we doing like a Palo Santo ceremony? Are we doing something spiritual? Is there like a native American coming and doing a blessing? Are we, you know, we were like just trying to explore what could be something really interesting. And a friend of Jackie's had a friend who was in the States performing and he was a, iranian percussionist that was visiting a friend of jackie's in colorado and he had agreed that he could come out and perform for this particular thursday night and we just thought it could be so magical because of the echoes that happen in the mountains there it could just be something like a little bit eccentric a little bit kind of um very intimate and very focused so that they could come up and have this beautiful cocktail hour so he came out and as the guests got out of the SUVs to walk the coyote trail, Rony was his name. He performed a ceremony, like a ceremonial performance as guests walk up the coyote trail. And as you were walking up the trail, it was like echoing and getting louder and louder. So he, it would be like bop, bop, bada, bop, bop. And then it would be like a pause and then you'd hear the echo of it. Wow. It was like a. Yeah, it was really, really intense and very profound. So they're walking up. And then when they finally get up there, like there he is playing. And obviously, it was a big deal because he came from so far away. And he's very famous. He plays with all kinds of orchestras and performs around the world. And he played for about an hour and a half. And at one point towards the end, he had like everybody gathered around him because we're starting to wrap up to walk down to where the dinner would be, which I'll talk about in a second. But it was such a beautiful moment. Everybody gathered around him. He played this amazing performance and it was very intimate and very special and very unique. Obviously an amazing time because it was magic hour. So the lighting was insane. The cocktails were great. And then your mom and Brandon's mom gave a speech, which was like, so tear jerking about just their experiences and their wishes for the two of you. And and then we walked out, back down the Coyote Trail, jumped in the SUVs and went and had a dinner at the spa, basically set up a table next to the reflecting pool in the spa, which was also surrounded by all the rocks and had tons and tons of candlelight. Like there's so much candlelight and they had a three, four course dinner next to the spa and... And it was just beautiful. I think it ended, didn't it end with like extra ice cream and like hot fudge sundaes or something? <laughs> yeah, and some s'mores.
2: That definitely happened.
0: It's perfect. Oh my gosh. Perfect yeah. end. How do you even top that for the next night? I mean, it sounds just incredible. Tell us about Friday.
1: Friday was, the speeches were amazing on Friday. I feel like well, I was, I was only there for half the time on Friday because I was setting up for Saturday, but the Danielle and Ruth were, we're down there in Casey, and all I heard is like serious tear-jerking tears from Brandon's father's speech.
0: <laughs> mm. So at this point on Friday, everybody has gathered. All of the guests are there. And so it was sort of a welcome party and rehearsal dinner idea, or did it, you kind of – did you not rehearse?
2: We did a like a walkthrough in the morning of the wedding because we didn't want to do it at high noon or anything because it would have been – quite warm hundred and ten, <laughs> i think oh my God. <laughs> something like that um as i'm like hiding under a shirt because i couldn't get shoulder tans for my dress
0: oh uh, that's right
2: <laughs> but we did we framed it as a rehearsal dinner because i did more than a welcome like welcoming all the guests we wanted to actually have kind of the wedding traditions of the speeches and it, it is kind of that gathering of everyone in the wedding party, which just happened to be the extent of our guest list. And so we had speeches from my cousin and my brother who were initially a bridesmaid and a groomsman, but we didn't, we didn't do bridesmaids or groomsmen beyond our best man and maid of honor for this wedding. So they gave their speeches. And then it was really cool too, because we were actually surprised by people who had prepared speeches. They'd never been asked to, but had come prepared (laughs) with their speeches of what they wanted to share. My godmother, another woman who I call Mommy Renee, she's, she's a friend of some of my childhood friends and one of my mom's best friends spoke. And it was, it was really cool the organic kind of sharing and speeches that happened.
0: That's amazing. And then tell me about Saturday. So after all of this, it's hard to even imagine, but t- what was the, the format, the layout?
1: Well, basically, we did the ceremony cocktail hour and the dinner all on this one patio. I mean, with 17 people, you really could keep it nice and intimate. We brought in some really cute benches where the guests sat during the ceremony and then Brandon McKenna and myself and their best man I and mean, made of otter stood up on kind of the corner of the patio, if you will. And literally the, the views are insane with at sunset with red rocks and just vast desert. So we had a fairly short ceremony. I think my Total time was like 18 minutes or something. So it was short and sweet. And then they cocktailed. We had some photos, sat down for dinner, had a beautiful, like really elongated dinner with amazing speeches. And then we kind of pushed the benches to the side and created a little dance area. And you had a little dance party. It's like an hour or so of dancing. And everyone was wiped though by the time the dancing.
0: And especially when it's that hot, it's hard to dance in that, right?
1: Yeah, we were Thank like going to do an after party, but we kind of called it that day that it was just, we want, it, it just felt right to keep it all in that one space. and So you never got to wear your anymore?
2: I'll I'll wear that short dress for, for the next wedding. But I, okay. we also knew, we know ourselves and we knew our guests where that extended dinner party is what we, it's the part of the night that we always love the most. So why not really just dive head first into that right like yeah I love the courses and we did wine pairings and it was actually funny so with our dessert we had a sophisticated version of our unsophisticated favorite desserts that so was a fun way to kind of tie off the evening we had basically like rainbow sherbet and hostess cupcakes but made <laughs> fancy by it oh was a fun exposition to the very elevated experience of the whole night
0: that's awesome an elevated Sherbert. It's like hard to even imagine, but if anybody could do it, it's them, right? I mean, I'm sure it was great. Just to wrap up, is there any advice that you would give to current brides out there right now that you wish you had known or something that you think would be valuable to them as they're going through this planning process during COVID or even after just in general? Yeah,
2: I think there's, there's a few things that came up for me and that I tried to remember throughout the process and that certainly helped. I think the first one is that different doesn't mean bad. Different just means different. So taking away that negative connotation of, well, it's different from what I had originally thought, but okay, that can be great. It, that doesn't always need to be a negative thing. Difference, just different. Remembering why you're getting married this is probably the one I should have said first because it's the most important. Like, remember why you're doing this in the first place. I mean, the fluff and the beauty of the the white dresses, the frill and the, the other celebratory pieces are a huge perk of getting married. But you're ultimately getting married to be with your partner for a long time. So keeping that in mind, and that's why you're doing the experience. And then lastly, just remembering that you can have both too. So you can actually marry your partner But then you can also have a larger celebration at some point in time when everyone's comfortable and when it's safe and when it's just
0: a bit more appropriate. That's great advice. Allison, how about you? Do you have any advice?
1: Yeah, I do. I think that one of the biggest pieces for me, and it's something that I feel like people lose track of, is like, let go. Be in the moment. Like, feel the feels. Enjoy yourself. Like, smell the smells. Feel the feels. Let go of the control. A million things normally at an event, you know, there's a million things fires are putting out in the back and an entree is served and maybe there was a misunderstanding. I mean, not saying that that goes often, but feel the feels, be in the moment, let it all go and trust the people that you brought on to take you to that day have got your back. Don't tweak out if you're drinking the cocktail and it's not exactly how you envisioned or eating something or you see a flower and it's different. Like that stuff doesn't matter anymore because that's all the material things. And then the most important part is being there with your partner and your friends and your family and really trying to enjoy it because that's really all that matters at the end of the day is, is your friends and your family and the fact that you are healthy and able to even be in
0: that moment. It's true. And, you know, I think that the best weddings are the ones where the bride can let go and enjoy themselves because the guests pick up on that. The whole vibe of the wedding is different. And when the bride yep. is stressed out and you can't let it go, whatever it is, that comes through also. And the guests pick up on it. It's a vibe well, you for sure. I feel
1: that when you're in the room with a bride, when you're there, I yeah. feel like you can
0: totally sense Oh that. yeah, absolutely. And I think that some people just aren't able to get over the control piece but more often than not even when you have a bride leading up to the event that is super intense and super like detail focused and really stressed out sometimes a lot of times on the day they're able to just let it go and enjoy which is awesome and that's exactly how it should be because it's only once hopefully maybe twice. Not that we don't love a repeat wedding, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> anyway, you guys, thank you so so much for being here. I have no doubt this is gonna be really helpful for people. And um, I can't wait to share a few pictures of the amazing event you guys planned and how beautiful you were, McKenna. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Julie. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope it was helpful. I'd love to hear from you. So please reach out if you have any questions or if you just want to say hi. Either way, send me a DM on Instagram. My handle is at the stylish bride. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. So you never miss an episode on how to be dressed, styled and down the aisle. Bye for now.